I went through episodes and it looks like I haven't really done one actually on divorce. So I felt like because of some stuff that's been going on the past week or so, it's probably time to do an episode talking about divorce. So if you've listened to the podcast, you know that I myself am divorced and mine was not particularly good. Now, everybody will tell you their divorce was bad. Almost, I don't even know like who has a good divorce. I think that's very rare unless maybe the people who got married were very unhappy and weren't happy when they got married in the first place. So maybe if it was something like an arranged marriage situation or your family kind of pushed you into it and it was a shotgun wedding or something like that, maybe then you'd be like, oh, I had a happy divorce or you were BFFs and then it's, oh, we just had a friendly divorce. Like I look at people who have that and they don't have children, so they're not worried about being nice for the sake of the children. And if they're like, oh, we had a we had a happy divorce and we're still BFFs and all this, I kind of look at them like, what the hell, dude? You people are weird. You are definitely an anomaly. And I think much of society looks at it that way too. But anyhow, I'm going to talk a little bit about divorce, what it is, and how your emotions go if you haven't been divorced. So you kind of get a grasp of what it's like. So in terms of my own divorce, what ended up happening was I was married for over seven years. So some people have quickie marriages and they're like, oh, I had a starter marriage and all this, which by the way, that is not a term that I think is particularly cool. And I don't think that's something people should do because frankly, you don't want to get married to somebody if you don't actually love them or you don't actually have a plan set up. I mean, Years and years ago, sometimes people got married for health insurance or because like their gay friend was suffering and they needed health care. So their straight friend might step up and say, okay, we can have a platonic marriage. But, you know, under the government's eyes, we're married and then you've got health care coverage and your family isn't going to just steal all your money when you pass away and I can pass it on to your boyfriend, girlfriend, whoever. So sometimes people did that. But now we have gay marriage, so you don't have to do that stuff anymore in America. So basically, I personally, and I think most people marry for love. So hopefully you've married somebody, you love them, you get along with them, they understand you, and it's a mutual feeling. That's sort of what you go into when you get married. However, I can tell you from my own experience with divorce, I basically felt like the guy I married completely lied to me for a decade. Because I dated him for a little period of time. I met him when I had just started in law school. He had no influence or say in the decision of me going to law school. He had no control over what kind of courses I took or what my plan of study was. He didn't pay anything for this law school. Although he did end up co-signing on a loan to help me because otherwise I would have had to become a stripper and live in my car to stay in law school. And seriously, I was going to do that because I didn't have a creditworthy co-signer to help me and my family. I don't have a trust fund. I don't have any of that stuff. So a lot of times if you don't have a trust fund, you don't have family to rely on, you don't even have extended family who give a shit about whether you live or die, you have to rely on friends. You have to rely on other people in life. And sometimes you're having to rely on complete strangers. But in this case, you know, this guy was my boyfriend at the time. He's the one who volunteered to do this. And he co-signed and all this. So I figured, okay, he sort of viewed it as he loves me, cares about me, all that good stuff. When I was taking the bar exam, I thought, oh, this guy loves me and cares about me because he's standing by me when I'm doing all this bar exam study, which is basically taking 
your life for about six months. You cannot work. You pretty much can't do anything except study. So it's kind of like having a full-time job. And it's very difficult. It takes a lot of time, a lot of labor intensity, a lot of effort. Not an easy thing to have to take the bar exam. In fact, I was taking two bar exams. So I thought, oh, this man stood by me while I was taking two bar exams, while I was going to law school, mostly at night. So half the time when I was on the phone with him, I'd be reading something for class. And we might periodically have a conversation, but, you know, half the time I'd be reading and taking notes. So it's not like there were exciting phone conversations going on. It's not like there was great thrillingness in my life or anything like that. So I really didn't have much of a social life unless I hung out with him. That was it. But you think when you marry somebody, you know, most people decide they want to get married for the rest of their lives. That this is the person that they're going to grow old with. This is the person they're going to have a bunch of kids with. They're going to become grandparents together. They're going to be by your side if you get cancer or something. They're going to hold your hand. They're going to hang out with you when you start declining. But oftentimes people get divorced before that happens. So there's a saying called the seven year itch where apparently husbands get a whole seven year itch and they decide to go have a midlife crisis or go have affairs and do all this stuff. But I don't even really know what happened and why my divorce ended up happening the way it did. I have little clues like, well, I got an opportunity to start doing modeling and my ex-husband was unhappy with the job that he had, or at least he claimed he was unhappy. He had finally gotten this management role that he'd been trying to get for years and years so he wouldn't have to worry about being laid off every time the city announced layoffs and announced budget cuts. Because he was fairly low on the seniority list, but then if he got this managerial role, he jumped up quite a bit, so then he didn't have to worry about losing his job. So you would think, oh, he got this managerial role, I started doing modeling, and I was doing stuff in my film company and all this. Oh, things are going all right. Well, no, not really. Because apparently his attitude was that when you get married to somebody and, for God's sakes, inflict this on me as a woman, oh, it was my responsibility to basically be his 24-7 headhunter, to take any old crappy job, even if I hated it, just to pay household bills, never mind the fact that when you're a lawyer, you usually have to take out a bunch of student loan debt. And if you start working, you know, your student loan providers expect to be paid. So if you're going to get a job, then they usually expect you to be making decent money because they expect you're going to use your law degree and you're going to get a legal job somewhere. But if you go to a law school that's not considered a T1 law school and you're the type of person who doesn't want to work someplace where you're going to get emotionally abused and you're basically going to be treated no better than if you were working as a Walmart cashier or perhaps as a stripper in a strip club, you know, if you don't want to work that kind of job, well, yeah, you're not going to get hired for that. And if you didn't go to the T1 law school and you didn't have an A-plus average or serve on law review, most of the time you're not getting those jobs. And I heard later on, apparently the court may have wised up to some of this stuff, but at the time I got divorced, the court did not wise up to that. They seemed to assume that anybody who was an attorney could automatically get a job at the top law firm in the city and make... I don't know, 200,000, 300,000, like some high figure right off the bat, like maybe 140K a year. Like they could get a 140K a year job just by showing up in the door. They didn't have to interview. They don't have to do anything. It's just, oh, you have a law degree, so automatically we're going to assume you're like the Harvard grad who got the job at Big Law. Never mind that there's nuance to hiring. 
or that people have differing interests and maybe they don't want to be in certain environments. So my ex-husband knew damn well I wanted to do entertainment law, that I had interest in working in that space, that I was always a creative professional and that I enjoyed working at the film company I worked at. And we were trying to get financed so many times and then, then it didn't happen and it was just very frustrating, but I mean, I still did the work. And I enjoyed doing modeling because, you know, that was something that I had not gotten to do legitimately. I'd had opportunity on that, but it didn't happen. And frankly, if you've been called ugly and you were bullied for so many years, then yeah, getting an opportunity to model, that's a humongous ego boost. And anybody who loves you and they had seen you go through this, you would figure they'd be like, yeah, I'm happy for my spouse. I want them to succeed. And I felt like that really didn't happen when I started doing modeling. So apparently, and I don't even know really what the situation was, but I remember I did my first fashion show and the designer had said to take off any jewelry that wasn't part of the outfit that you were wearing. And basically when you are modeling or when you're acting, you are not going out there as a married person. You're going out there as your model selling a product, like you're selling whatever design you're wearing that time. Or you're an actor, you might be playing a single person. You might be playing like a gay person. You may be playing all kinds of things. So you're not necessarily playing the married person. So it would look a little weird if you're wearing your wedding ring, but your character is supposed to be single. Like, how is that going to make any sense on film? And how does it make any sense if you're a model, you're supposed to be doing things and you might have something where there's an outfit where your hand is there, you're doing a pose and you're over here wearing your wedding ring. It's not considered appropriate. So apparently I didn't know at the time that I could have kept it on, but I didn't find this out till later when I spoke with the designer after the show. So my ex-husband who had said to me that he wouldn't have a problem with me taking off the ring if I was doing an acting part, totally blows up and freaks out when I had to do this for a fashion show. So he never went to any of my other fashion shows. He basically said, oh, everybody treated me badly. And I'm like, who did you even have a conversation with? People were nice to me. And he's like, oh, of course they were nice to you. You're pretty. So basically it exposed something else that I realized, okay, this is not what I'm putting up with in my relationship. I think disparities can be a very big problem. And not only are there intellectual disparities that are an issue, but attractiveness disparities also come up. And if you work in entertainment, they definitely come up if you've got a spouse who basically has a complex about being unattractive, society has said they are unattractive, you're gonna have a lot of problems. Just telling you right now. But I found that basically some divorces, yeah, some divorces are particularly nasty. In my case, my ex-husband decided to throw me out into the street about nine months after my father suddenly passed away. And he seemed to assume that because I had some conflict and I had issues with my father, as many as of us would if our fathers had been substance abusers who had never gotten rehab and had really truly gotten clean, who had never apologized for things in the past and who you never really had closure with, I think many of us would still have emotions if that person were to drop dead. So... There were a lot of things that really didn't go well. In fact, a month and a half later, his sister died and apparently she had, she had drug issues. She had tried to kill herself a number of times. He had even told me and said that other family members had agreed with this, that he looked at it as when she was going to die, not if she was going to die. And I know his mother had been denial about it. And I basically had to go to a funeral that was essentially... The worst thing to have to deal with after my father had died a month and a half before. And it kind of felt like it was designed in a way 
of let's just wring out as much tragedy as we possibly can. Like let's wrap ourselves in a robe somehow and just kind of soak in that. And my mother, on the other hand, didn't really do my father's funeral in that way. She simply wanted to have a wake, have the pastor speak, go to the cemetery, get the body into the ground, not hang around for that, go home, deal with all that. She did not want to make it into an arduous, long process. We did not go on the tour of homes when my father died. We did not have to hear Angel by Sarah McLaughlin on loop when my father passed away. We did not have a wake that involved sitting in rows of chairs in front of the coffin waiting for the deceased to pop out of there and say, Hi, I'm not really dead after all. Joke. Most, pe most funerals don't go that way. You know, normally people are actually dead. It's not, real life is not really a soap opera like that. If you hear about this having it happening in real life, certainly let me know. I think in real life, everybody would be pissed off that you lied to them about your own death. I think people would be very annoyed. They'd say, what the heck was this? So those were the circumstances that my marriage ended in. And basically, I noticed that when you get divorced, there's definitely a regression of your life. The question is, how far do you regress? Do you regress to childhood where you end up going to your parents' house? Do you regress to college where maybe you go back to your college hometown or you hang out with like your college roommate or something? Do you regress back to grad school where you're in the town that you used to go to grad school in? I don't know. It's like somewhere you definitely regress somehow. It's like, do you regress to your 20s? Do you regress to your 30s? I don't know. Do you regress to your teens? I mean, at the time I was in my early, I was in my early 30s at the time. But anyhow... I was just like, but I still look darn good. So however old you think I am, that's how old I look. And I was very fortunate about that because some people get divorced and it's like their spouse took away all their years of attractiveness. So then they are going back out onto the dating market and frankly, having a lot of problems and a major disadvantage because it's like now you have aged drastically. So there's definitely that. And I think it's a little different when men get divorced versus women getting divorced. Because as I said, if you're, you're a woman and this guy has basically taken all of your years of looks, you're at a massive disadvantage because oftentimes older women have problems trying to make it in the dating market. There's the problem of most of the people your age have kids or they are married. So very difficult. And the ones who are single and never married, you got to watch out for those. Like particularly dealing with men. I found that, yeah, some of the people who are single, never been married, there's a reason for that. And some of those are basically reasons that it's like, okay, this is muck that I really don't want to deal with. Like that person's a mama's boy or that person is taking care of relatives or they're doing something and it's like, okay, they've got too much going on in their lives. Like maybe they're the type of guy who's got like a thousand baby mamas and thousand kids. So he's got to work his tail off to go pay for those kids. And he's got to be spending quality time with them. So yeah, he doesn't really have room in his life for anyone else. And you'd be like, why did he not put a ring on it with some of these ladies? If he's got a thousand kids and a thousand baby mamas. But that's a whole other story. And maybe you should think about that if you're going to have kids with someone. Because you don't want to have them die or have you die. And then everybody's fighting about who's going to get money in your estate. Those are not fun fights. And it's also not fun dealing with the legal process of divorce at all because it's basically very expensive. Most people are not really amenable to doing things like mediation or arbitration. So usually you have to go to court. 
if you are, even if you were a family law attorney, I would say don't represent yourself in your own divorce because it's very, very stressful. I think it's disgusting to tell somebody that, oh, you're an attorney, you can repre represent yourself in your own divorce, even if you're not a family law attorney, which did happen to me. And basically, female solidarity doesn't really exist. So you cannot assume that the judge's, the judge's gender means that they're going to be on your side, because that really did not happen in my divorce at all. Certainly not by the time I had a judge later in the divorce case, because I had one judge that my own lawyer said seemed reasonable, but then I had a second judge who was horrific and basically didn't give a damn that, oh, I'm also a female. She didn't care about, oh, she's also an attorney. I basically kind of felt like, oh, this person resents me because, oh, I'm attractive. I'm, a I'm an attorney and I'm not some sniveling mama's boy. So I was treated more like a man is normally treated in the divorce court and in divorce than when, you know, than a woman. Because usually women kind of get more gloved, you know, they get more of the soft glove treatment. They basically, yeah, it feels like judges are a little more in favor of them, especially if they have kids. Usually they are almost revered like gods. Like anything they want, they usually get that. Although many women will tell you that if men asked for custody or they asked for visitation, a court would automatically give it to them because so few men ask for that. And these the same women will tell you that these men are deadbeats and they don't show up for their kids and you have to bug them just to pay child support and all this stuff. And then the men will tell you, oh, well, these women are demanding all this child support and they're bleeding me dry and all this. So it's a fun little world there. And I mean, I basically got very little, I will tell you this, I basically got very little out of my divorce from the court. Essentially, it was just getting the shirt off, getting to keep the shirt on my back and not having this guy take alimony or take anything of future earnings from me. So it's basically like I got to be a free person and this guy got to leave me the heck alone. And I made damn sure that this guy was not going to bother me because I did not let him know where I was or what I was doing. I'm like, frankly, that's none of his business. He threw that away. So that's kind of how I've done things. And I still basically believe, and I know some people are like, oh, I want to be friendly with my ex. And I feel like in divorce, okay, unless you've got kids with this person, you don't need to talk to them anymore. I don't understand that. Like, I didn't have a relationship with any of my in-laws. They seem to not really be all that concerned about me or my welfare. My mother had some choice words about my ex-husband's mother, that's for sure. But I'll tell you this, I still feel at the end of the day, like I can tell you this about divorce. It basically feels like you're going through this tunnel and you feel like you're never going to get out. You definitely find out who your friends are. And hopefully you've got a good family that stands up for you and supports you. But I know one of the things that helped me was having friends and having emotional support and getting to talk to people who had been through it before and told me, it's no big deal. Everybody's been divorced. And, you know, it's okay. Things are going to get better. You know, it does improve. And it does get better. I can tell you that from experience. But it's still like little things I saw. Like I wrote a closure letter that I didn't send to my ex-husband. And I was rereading it recently because I, made, I recently made a new friend who's in the very early stage of divorce. And I figured, okay, I should give you this. And maybe you will get some inspiration and figure out how to do your own closure and kind of air your grievances. But you don't send it to the person. You're just keeping it for yourself. But you're pretending they're there. It's like writing a letter. But... You're expressing yourself. You're airing it all. And my friend had read this and said to me, wow, this guy was awful to you. And I feel like my friend's story was worse, actually, than mine, believe it or not. 
But I find it incredible when people are, some people are like, oh, you should reconcile with exes. Oh, they should be in your life. And it's like, I think it really depends on the circumstances of what happened. And frankly, much like dealing with people's family members, some of that is none of your damn business. And maybe if that didn't happen in your relationship and some of that stuff didn't go on, you really shouldn't be judging and making comment unless you've walked a mile in the person's shoes. And I mean, more recently, I actually found out like life after the divorce with my ex-husband, which by the way, you definitely shouldn't look that stuff up because that's going to feel crazy to you sometimes. Like that might feel like gut punch. That could just depress the hell out of you. And initially I had a moment about that, but then I was like, wait a minute, I've got my own life now. I'm living, as my mom put it, you're living your best life. So I've gotten to do much more interesting things and I've gotten to do all kinds of stuff that if that guy had been chained to me still, probably never would have gotten to do that. So that's something I always say to emphasize. If you go through, you go through that first stage of a divorce, it's like, okay, I get to go to all these restaurants and I get to go do all this stuff that my ex never wanted to do and basically put a chain on me and I couldn't do it. So I don't know if I mentioned it, but I also feel like there are three phases, but they're different than the three phases of a breakup. So I will go into more detail about that in some later episode, but that's basically a little bit of my take on what divorce is about for those of you who haven't gone through it, through it and if you want to help somebody who's dealing with that right now.